0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: My Family Recipe is a new podcast from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network, bringing you cherished heirloom recipes and the stories behind them. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You're listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akwaku. Every week, we'll delve into the delicious world of African food, including chefs, curators,
3: and bloggers. Here's the show. Welcome to another episode of Item 13. Um, I'm so thrilled, not just thrilled, but honored to have my friend, I think I can call you my friend, my friend Z, <laughs> on the show, um, we're going to talk tacos um, in the context of African food, we're going to talk Zimbabwean food, life in New York, um, all that good stuff, so welcome to the show, Z.
4: Thank you, thank you, and yeah, yes, we can definitely call me your friend well. I'm happy to call you my
3: friend as well <laughs> um so Z so actually Z will tell us a little bit about why don't you why don't we ugh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself your full name like you know we all do the short African names and it's funny because um a lot of people think that my name is a short name for something <laughs> I always get the question uh, like, "Oh, Yom," because you know, like you're Afi- more African, aunt. right? Because African names tend to <laughs> like, be like so long, and like you know. And I'm like, nope, that's it. That's that's it, pretty much. So, um, Z will tell us his full name, <laughs> and then um, tell us a little bit about about you, where you grew up, and sort of how you um ended up um here stateside. As much as little as he wants to share, obviously.
4: Absolutely. So, before I get into my full name, (laughs) um, this is something I struggle with Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day life, especially being an African immigrant living in America and having to cross paths with people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So, I walk into a doctor's appointment, I walk into a bank, I walk into the pharmacy, and Immediately, it's like, oh, sorry, I don't want to butcher this name, but (laughs) such and such. Right? So you deal with that already. And then you get to the counter and they're like, what is your name? And I'm like, no, you can call me Z Mm. because I don't want to deal with the whole explanation. And they're like, no, but I want to know and I want to try. (laughs) How do you say it? And then I say my full name and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) So I'm like, (laughs) Let's not even go through all that, <laughs> but uh, these are some of the struggles that African immigrants, and especially like not just African immigrants, Af- um, immigrants from all over the world. Deal right, with, uh, New yeah, York. even
3: my and- short name, like people stop, so even like it's so funny you say that because when I go anywhere to order food, and I don't know if, if I've done this with you, like I just give them an English name because even uh-huh. with like my short name, it's like, what, what is it? <laughs> no, I'm from, from Cheers. And then I'm like, I don't want to have this, like you, right? I don't want to have uh-huh. this long conversation uh-huh. with you. So here we go. Uh, wow.
4: Yeah. Wow. Well, but yeah, uh, my full name is Zinusile. Uh, it means I brought myself up if I'm translating oh, it directly.
3: I don't think I uh, that.
4: Yeah, it uh, originates from the Zulu tribe in South Africa. New so.
2: Sile, hmm.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the name originates from the Zulu tribe in South Africa, which um kind of ties into my upbringing. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe, but my father naturalized into a South African, so I spent most of my childhood in between both Zimbabwe and South Africa. Cool um that was my upbringing i came to united states in 2009 i've been a harlem resident since 2014. Harlem. Yeah, <laughs> uh, cooking wasn't and i feel like we'll dive into this later mm. in the, in well, the you recording. you
3: can start to tell us now so how did you uh, get into to cooking? <laughs> Because that's one of the things when I, when I, every time I have guys, especially on the show, it's like, especially in our culture, right? Like it's women uh-huh. who tend to do a lot of the cooking. And so, and if you find men in cooking, it's, it's almost always in a professional setting. It's not like, yeah, um, it's not typical to find. Um,
4: Recreation and all of this, yes. like at home cooking. Right. Yes. So um still giving credit to the women because women are phenomenal. Uh, (laughs) My cooking um, is really like truly a gift from my grandmother who Mm. is the person who raised me. Uh, I grew up as an asthma kid. I had asthma growing up and because of somewhat limited resources, I wasn't always able to be physically active because physical activity triggered asthma attacks Asthma attacks needed medication mm. medication needed money so long story short I couldn't play with the kids outside and my grandma had to find creative ways to keep me busy and out of trouble so from a very young age she started to teach me how to cook in the beginning I didn't pay much mind to mm. it I didn't care for it because like again like you say it as as uh sad as it is it's still true that like uh cooking has kind of been left to the women mm-hmm. whereas it's really just an everybody thing if you're living and you're eating you should cook <laughs> um right so, so then how the, do you go from i'm sorry
3: go ahead
2: you were probably yeah, gonna
4: say so, In the beginning, I didn't pay any mind. I didn't care until one day when she got sick and she couldn't cook. And I cooked for her. I made her breakfast. I made scrambled eggs. Like, you know, back home, Mm. you fry some onions, you fry some tomatoes, you mix it with eggs, and you eat that with bread. Like, that's breakfast, right? I made that. And, like, just her face when I gave it to her and the way she received Mm -hmm. it, 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 like, it's sparked joy in me and uh, I've always chased that same feeling when I cook now. But uh, fast forward, fast forward to professional cooking. Yeah. Um, so I never thought I'd like be a professional cook. I don't even consider myself a chef, but that's the story for another day. <laughs> um. I came to America 2009 following, like, the five African staple careers, engineer, accountant, <laughs> doctor, yes. lawyer. All oh, right, yeah,
3: good stuff, yeah.
4: So I got accepted to Pace University, big deal. I'm taking an accounting course. I do it for one year. Um, one and a half years through, I'm like, no, this is really not for me. I don't like it one bit. Um, I drop out and I go back to work. I start working retail. And when I'm working retail, um, I used to cook a lot at home and I bring food to share with coworkers. Mm. And one of my coworkers says, um, I'm having a rooftop party. Like me and my teammates are doing a rooftop party. You should come and sell your food there. At that point, I'd never sold food a day yeah. in my life. Uh, but I said, you know what? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I took the risk. I said, let's do it. Um, First, I said it was like going well, to be just about uh, fifty people, and then the fifty grew to hundred, and then the party kept growing until um the venue said the most we could hold is about three hundred people. The day comes, three hundred people show up, and I sold food. I sold out. That's I made insane. more money. Yeah, I made more money in that one day as I would have working the same retail jobs for two weeks. So that was the aha moment. (laughs) Like, you know what? I think you can survive off of this and you can live off of this. So from that day, I think I took it seriously.
3: Cool. And that's so I've obviously, maybe I shouldn't say obviously, but I've had your food, you know, on different occasions. And, I'm always blown, and I'm not someone that exaggerates. I'm always blown away by your flavor profiles, in particular. I think you have a really great skill of being one understanding, and that's what I—I I don't know if you will share your secret sauce, <laughs> so, <laughs> but like you have an understanding of well, separately, you have an understanding of flavor profiles, right? But then I also think you have like a really acute understanding too. Of, like, um, the different nuances in African flavor profiles, too. And so, when yeah. you say, and maybe, and that's, let's talk about that. So, your business is Taco Africana, your food business is Taco Africana, and Z makes tacos you know, inspired by African cuisine. And, you know, I'm always, if, if you've listened to the show forever, you know that I'm always skeptical about people that say their food is African food because that's like <laughs> such a, you know, it's such a broad and there's so much to it or whatever. And so, but yeah. I remember having, like the first time we met actually, um was this in Harlem we met at some... Sunday, some event you were having where there was a DJ, I remember.
4: This was Brooklyn, yes. Brooklyn?
3: Oh, yeah. It was yes, Brooklyn. Yes, 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 yes. And like, Z basically made, and I'll share this picture, actually, so people can picture <laughs> this. Z basically gave me his entire menu, made a whole flat of the entire menu for me. And because I've lived in Southern Africa, and I had East African friends when I was there, obviously, I'm West African. Um, and then everybody, you know, most people have had North African food just because of, um, just by virtue of how popular it is um, around here. So okay. I remember, you're back, right?
0: <laughs> so yes, I just remember
3: yes. like trying jollof rice is what <laughs> what you called it. And, this, and, and, and I need to be clear, I need to clearly pronounce it. So, so I'm not saying jollof rice. I'm saying Uh love fries. So he had this, and I was like, what in the world? What is this gimmicky thing? And my (laughs) goodness, just like, it was so good. So good. And it was a clever play and all. I just remember trying everything and being like, wow. And my friends who lived in New York then, I remember texting, oh, you're right. I was in Brooklyn because I had passed by Brooklyn Suya."
4: Uh uh-huh a weekend
3: too yeah so i was in brooklyn i remember texting my friend me like you have to try like i'm because i didn't live in new york then i don't remember where i lived but i was like you have to i need to share this guy's number with you you need to follow him on instagram so that when he does the stuff because this was so good um so that that was my first experience with z and like taco africana i just wanted to share that it was i was just i personally was going out and it's like such a fantastic idea and well executed so let's talk about taco africana like what why tacos um, and then sort of how did you start and what was your inspiration you know, to, to sort of do like taco africana
4: well long story ah, <laughs> <gee>. <laughs> um, okay so we'll rewind before taco africana mm. this is nice because I feel like I'm not telling my life story in different segments <laughs> um, so to continue from like that party yeah that I'm that party, party. Mm-hmm. um i ended up signing up like in a three-month program at a community college in brooklyn called Kingsboro community college it was just like a basic introduction into restaurant life they taught you how to hold a knife how to do dishes how to sanitize dishes basic soups basic salads basically just like a small compact three-month course that you could get Mm. hired in a restaurant as a prep cook because you have this. I took that course and um, as like part of the program, I was one of the selected few to go and volunteer at a good course called um, Chefs for Impact. It's run by Impact Network. Impact Network is a non for profit that's based here in New York, but it serves children in Zambia with school Mm -hmm. supplies and just getting them education. So I do this event, and uh, those of you who know, like some of the restaurateurs, hey English, (laughs) some of the restaurateurs here in America, um, Mark Hennigan, who was the owner of Madeva, a famous South African Mm -hmm. restaurant in Brooklyn for almost 18 years actually 18 years plus he was one of the guest chefs for that night Um, I volunteered and I so happened to be paired with him and yeah I'm like I help him out and we start talking about life throughout service and I'm like dude I'm working retail right now and going to school I don't like this retail job and I really want to cook. This is what I'm passionate about. And he says, okay, I'm opening um, a second location for Mediva in Harlem. You should come tomorrow and start working. And like just like that, I quit my retail job and wow. started working in kitchens the next day. Um, so my introduction to restaurant service and professional cooking was Mediva, South African restaurant. But funny story, like most, if not all, restaurants here in New York City is ethnic, and I say ethnic Mm. very closely (laughs) with quotation marks. These (laughs) ethnic restaurants are fully staffed by usually Hispanic people in Mm. the back. The case at Mediva was Mexican people um so in the beginning it wasn't sweet i won't lie there was language differences hmm. there were cultural differences we didn't see eye to eye but eventually uh i guess would we to like the spirit of humanity took over and we realized, hey, we're here for the same goals.
2: Ubuntu. We started,
4: <laughs> yeah. We started sharing different recipes and then mm. I taught them stuff from South Africa and they introduced me to Mexican food. I fell in love with tacos and mm. uh, after my diva I had been doing my own thing. My first food business was called Mzansi which is a slang term for South Africa. I catered different South African cuisines. I did events and pop-ups. And I did it for about a year to almost two years. Uh, Yeah, that was 2014 to about 2016. And it sucked because uh, I got stuck. And I realized that South Africa or Southern Africa in general Mm. is a very tiny portion of the continent and yet alone, the world. Yeah. Um. So how do I expand my caliber and be able to cater to people from literally all over the world, but at the same time still honoring my culture, representing the traditional recipes and also giving it a modern twist to it. And uh, I don't usually confess this in public, but I experienced <laughs> that a quarter life crisis and I had to shut everything down and I had two tunnels one Mm -hmm. tunnel was leading to New Orleans if I went to New Orleans I was going to do African barbecue so like the periperis the brides the Mm -hmm. suyas but like with traditional American style cooking like smoking and all this stuff or stay in New York and do tacos and I took a road trip I drove from here to New Orleans I loved New Orleans but the weather killed me it was super humid I couldn't breathe oh, and I had asthma. oh that's so weird. I found my way back to New York and it was tacos and I think that's how it just solidified but <laughs> the biggest the biggest thing for me with both concepts was that I'll start with the barbecue because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little bit less important right now. Uh, people love meat. People love meat as much as people are like transitioning to plant-based diets, vegan-based diets. Yeah. Sustainable <laughs> jackets, we are carnivores by nature. So I felt like I would be offering something mm-hmm. to a large group of people, something that's familiar to a large group of people, but with a different twist like Mm -hmm. this is how we do meat in africa uh same thing with taco africana it's a concept that's familiar to most people in the world anywhere you go in the world everybody kind of knows what a taco is and it's something that's versatile it's something that's approachable but i can also add my culture to it right and i would share it so For reasons i explained before new orleans didn't Mm -hmm. do for me at that time it doesn't mean that it won't happen but it didn't work at that time this is how we ended up with yeah no and i
3: remember um coming you know after that experience and even just thinking about it later like how brilliant and I you know maybe hindsight maybe for you wasn't, but I just thought wow because what a way what a vehicle to share like African food right like as people get the sense and you know there's a whole other conversation about why uh, food is not you know considered whatever <laughs> but um at least tacos people have sort of now familiarized themselves with and like you know it's <laughs> put and good cool in the food food world. And so I see yeah. that being a great vehicle for um, the different kinds of foods and stuff that you, you've, you've done. And, and, and it's versatile, right? You can take it anywhere. You can be a taco shop or like pop-up, you, you know, you can do it almost anywhere, right? So
4: yeah, I've catered funerals, I've catered weddings, I've catered graduation mm. parties. Yeah. But like, it, it's something that I feel like you can eat anywhere, but what I like the most about it is that it's very approachable. Yes, yes, that's
3: the way I was looking for. It's very approachable. approachable
4: yeah.
3: yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. So let's talk about your standard menu, and then we'll take a break, and then when we come back from, so let's talk about your standard menu first, just like generally, because I know. I actually wonder if you tell me there's no standard, because
4: <laughs> <in me. laughs>
3: you you switch it off. But like generally, if you, generally speaking, I feel like you have you always have some sort of sending West African stuff, and then you'll have Southern African stuff. And so, what what is the recurring? You know, what are some of that so that for people who are listening and who might come across you in New York or maybe sometime in New Orleans. <laughs> Um,
4: yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> what can we expect in terms okay. of, the, of the menu and and for the everyone that's listening like as always um after this you know when the show is i will share links to tuesday's stuff um so you can follow him and see where he's going to be popping up um but just and and pictures of his food too, obviously. Um, but for 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 while we listen now, if you can describe some of the main the main aspects of the, the menu you have generally have.
4: Okay. So uh, general overview of our menu, uh of a multiple uh, I don't even know the right word for it, multiple approaches to Mexican-inspired African food. So we do uh, tacos, we do quesadillas, we do burritos, we do grain bowls. By grain bowls, I mean, it could be rice, jollof rice, yellow rice and raisins. If you're South African, we do fonio. we do, uh, do cauliflower rice. Um,
0: well, we elote, also do, <laughs> I
4: remember. <laughs> yeah, we do sides. We do elotes, which is a Mexican style street corn. Uh, we do plantains, we do chips and guac. It's a typical Mexican food, but with an African twist. But the most uh, interesting part, of course, is the fillings. The mm-hmm. fillings, the base of the vehicle is, is Mexican. It's really just Mexican cuisine. But what's inside is, is like what matters to me the most. And those are the fillings. Our house fillings, you can get this on any of the items I mentioned. The fries, the burritos, the quesadillas, the tacos. We have three main house tacos. I'll start off with my favorite because I think it's the best. And people differ. And (laughs) people people who know food will agree with me. But I get it. You You like what you like. So no offense. Uh, sorry, not judging. This is no offense. The first one, and my favorite one is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, I was going to say, they like, they like they I'm waiting, I'm way. waiting with friends
3: <laughs> to see if I'm going to agree. This or not. Way.
4: <laughs> they say it this way in Ghana and
3: Oh, are you for real?
4: Yes. that's my favorite. That's my favorite <laughs> feeling. It's. Uh, <laughs> A brown nut uh, or peanut sauce braised pork. I take a pork um chunk. could be a butt. It could be a shoulder. Spanish people call it bernil. Uh, but I cook it Mexican barbacoa style. So I'll sear it first and then I braise it in the peanut sauce, cover it with banana leaf, and I put a bunch of veggies mm. and citrus in it. And it's so tender and so delicious. But... <laughs> what makes it more flavorful for me is what i put with it so there's the peanut butter in the pork which is like just phenomenal on its own but i use um domatillo salsa which are green tomatoes and i pickle like a flesh pickle red cabbage so just that combination alone oh, like the nice. peanut butter the acidity from the tomatoes and then the acidity from the pickles and a little bit of sweetness from it. It's just like, it's, it's, it's phenomenal for me. I talk about that taco the most because it's, it, people say <laughs> don't, pick, don't pick a favorite child in public. That's my favorite child. <laughs> That's my favorite child.
1: Oh, man.
4: Um, and after that is our most famous feeling, which is our jerk on jollof. Mm. You could get it as fries, as tacos, or as a grain ball. It's usually a jollof base. It could be the tortillas that are jollof. It could be the fries or um, the burrito or the rice. And then we top that with jerk chicken and uh, our house-made mango salsa. So you get a mix of spicy, sweet. But this is nice because it's a combination of both Caribbean and African Mm -hmm. cultures. So a lot of people usually run for that one and they love it. I don't, again, I'm not judging you, but <laughs> I the, the pork, like, that's, that's the best one so far. <laughs> and like I said before, originally human beings are carnivores. Fight me somewhere else, not on this <laughs> podcast. DM me if you disagree. <laughs> Let's be grown up and talk about it. But uh, for my friends who have turned plant-based or vegan, I have uh, what I call the peri flower it's uh, a roasted cauliflower head that's roasted in a house made peri peri sauce mm-hmm. and that also comes with the mango salsa so you still get the sweet and the spicy and then now we're also tying in a little bit of southern african culture via portugal so really the the base menu of the house is kind of international it caters to a little bit of everyone yeah um and then in addition to that we do different specials like I've done an old black taco which was a chapel place that? Mm-hmm. 30, uh, with a squid ink braised um octopus and it had black caviar pearls and then just because I think black is beautiful and gold, and I put an actual gold leaf on it. I remember that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've done shrimp tacos. We've actually done tangerine tacos as Ooh. well. We've, we've done ice cream tacos. So this, like, like um, it goes beyond the imagination. Like, your only barrier with tacos, I think, is, is your imagination. Mm-hmm. So... Oh Be ready to, to experience all the things. <laughs> yeah, kind of I know. He just like...
3: made, made us all so hungry right now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh, yeah. bringing Pepe. Like in the future, expect, which I have done before, expect alligator tacos, expect ostrich tacos. Mm. Uh, when I go to Africa and I finally get access to it again and again, I'm against poaching and I'm not a, I'm like against animal killing, but if food is made to be eaten, food is made to be eaten. So I want to make impala tacos. I want to oh, make. Wow. Uh, yes, yes. there's uh, And we'll talk about this later when we talk about uh, Zim food. My father, who has kind of been a hater towards <laughs> my taco business, <laughs> is always like, oh, you think you're going to survive off of tacos? You should come back home and work for me. I'm like, no, this is my thing. He's always like he's always saying I have to make um there's something we call more pane worms. Oh my gosh. Southern Africa. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, they kind of look like <laughs> caterpillars, but they're oh not my caterpillars. Gosh, yeah. So we have that. And he keeps saying you have to make a taco with that. So hopefully one day I'll Ooh, to do that. I don't
3: know <laughs> about that. Okay, so maybe this is, this is a good time. We'll take a short break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about Zimbabwean food and these mokani ones. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, we will be right back.
1: Good food is worth a thousand words. This is Aarti Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you. My Family Recipe, from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network. Adapted from Food52's much-loved column of the same name, the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it, from voices across the world of food. We'd open these
3: tubs of dough and they would exhaust these incredible yeasty fumes and
1: it just smelled like nothing else. It was so intoxicating. I'll interview writers and chefs, parents and children about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love.
2: Chinese people aren't like born with a download on how to like velvet chicken, you know, like that's not something that just like comes to you.
1: Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Okay, so we are back after a little chit chat, Um, and now we're going to be talking about Zim food. So, like, I was, you know, I was telling you offline, I was like, I was trying to remember if I'd had someone, maybe, you know, I probably haven't, so I shouldn't say. But anyway, for those who are listening, you know, we have a whole bunch of new listeners, and so want to do an education on Zimbabwean food. Like, so, what is food from Zim like? What sort of um, staples do you have? Like, what do you do for snacks? For drinks? And we can talk about the worms.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Uh, uh, Wow. I wish there was a food like, like uh, there was a word for people who kind of, I'm trying to tread lightly (laughs) because these are sensitive times. Right. right? (laughs) In, In reference, yeah. In reference to people who, discriminated against race they're called racists uh, reference to people who discriminate against gender i don't know what the word is but i feel like there should be a word for people who discriminate against food
3: <laughs> I mean, I mean I don't, I'm not discriminating it's just uh, <laughs> like oh my gosh anyway we
4: can talk let's don't, talk about <laughs> don't knock it until you try
3: it it's probably one of those things where I have to like close my eyes like and not think about like what it what it is yeah before I kind of enjoy it because just knowing what it is just makes me like queasy you know
4: oh Are you, like, one of those people who don't want to know until they taste and then you're told after?
3: Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I don't want to know. Because I actually, (laughs) and we're going sidetrack, but, like, I wasn't, Uh um, oh, which reminds me of my friend. Anyway, I had a friend in Indonesia um, who I went to visit a very long time ago, and she took me to this restaurant. You know, she took me to all the local, local, local places. Uh-huh. We went to a restaurant where they had all these little plates, almost like a Korean. You know how Koreans also serve like little, little, little dishes. dishes. Yeah, So there's all a little bit of everything that you try. And like after we were done she was like oh she you know I should have known but she kept asking me when I tried something in particular she was like how do you like that how do you like that I like, oh, <laughs> and it turned out to be cow grain and I was like oh my
4: god oh goodness. nice,
3: <laughs> nice. I was like, oh. and you know it's again you're right like if I had known I mean I, I knew that the texture was like maybe not to my you know taste but I was like "Ah, it's it you know flavored, yeah. flavor and yeah. whatever so um but yeah i feel like if i had known ahead of time and she knew probably you know wow. that i probably maybe wouldn't have tried it so wow. anyway zimbabwean food <laughs> wow that's
4: exciting um just okay before i dive into zimbabwean food i'm not gonna segue i'm still gonna stay in the concept of like cows and all the stuff mm. we use everything right. like in my yes. country like yes. we use everything we, do.
3: we eat we, do.
4: we, we do. eat intestines we eat yep. So, th- so that I'm used to, you know, like yeah. I used
3: to live, like I'm used to, yeah. like the you know, we use the tripe, like the insides, so, yes, you know, yes, to make yes, soup, yes, and yes. so I'm used to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm used to
3: that. Even like you know how we we cook the fish hole right so like can i remember as a uh-huh. kid like taking the eye out of the yeah sorry did, yeah. sorry for those who don't like i feel like for my american audience <laughs> it sounds weird but like as a kid like that was my favorite part like taking apart the fish head yeah and, and even not just as a kid even as an adult mom by taking apart the fish head and like all of that goodness inside because a the lot the of the flavor like, gets trapped yes. in yeah yes.
4: Yeah, I mean, we,
3: <laughs> eat, we even eat the blood of the cow. Like, yeah, I it know it that there's a wow. lot of different <coughs> treatments to that too.
4: Yep. Well, I feel like we'll end up talking for hours and hours. <laughs> for Zimbabwean food. Uh, before I get into Zimbabwean food, Southern African food mm-hmm. in general, yeah. we farm a lot of corn. So corn is a big staple in Southern Africa. Um, we Process the corn into something called millimil in America, they call it cornmeal. And from that, in South Africa, they call it bab. We call it Ischwala in Zimbabwe or sadza. It's Ugali, I think in Kenya. I forget what they call it in Zambia, maybe it's in Shima. But basically it's just pounded cornmeal to the form of like something similar to fufu or polenta. And are you here?
3: Yeah, I'm here. Can you
4: not hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you pound up, you pound the the cornmeal into a texture very similar to fufu or polenta. We eat that with usually collard greens or some kind of greens and meat. That's the staple. Yeah. If the family is not doing well, that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The family is doing okay. <laughs> that's lunch and dinner so it's the staple yeah um in addition to that um also kind of tying back to what you said earlier and you didn't really get into it a lot like this this whole idea of african food has become very congested and limited but Mm -hmm. really African food, to me, is the foundation of soul food in America. Right. All the ingredients they use in Southern cooking is stuff that we grew up eating back Mm -hmm. home. Um, I don't want to get into it, but (laughs) it it, it only makes sense because you take people from one land and you put them in the other land. They're only gonna eat what they're used to eating, yeah. and they're only gonna eat what they, they know. So this stuff was brought by our people, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> um, Zimbabwean food outside of farpo is trala. There's something called nobi It is uh, a pumpkin porridge using the same cornmeal. You'd puree um, pumpkin and then just knead it into that. And it's kind of like a sweeter version of pap. You could mm-hmm. eat it alone for breakfast with tea and you're good for the day. Um, we have something called millet, which we call munga. It's also a grain. You could cook it the same way you cook pap. Uh, there's a lot of greens in our diet. So like the collards, the kale. We have tsunga, which is mustard greens in Zimbabwe. And I don't know if you have this in Ghana, Yom, but every time it rains in Southern Africa, there's an insect that comes out. It's a yeah. fly insect, and it only comes out when it
3: rains. And then people have, like fry them, collect yes, them, yes, I am, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we eat
4: that back home. Um, in Shona, they're called Matnora and in the village, really, they're called B. and those are the mopani worms. Um, <laughs> if yeah, if, if 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 maybe it's possible, we'll add a picture to it. Yeah, at the yeah. End.
3: I I've I have oh. <laughs> I have a I have pictures of my <laughs> worms in different because I found a company actually that does um actually in Ghana. Um uh-huh. that, that does like different treatments for them. They're trying to make it cool and fashionable or whatever. So they, they have different, they have them like they treat them like kebabs. So they'll use suya yeah. and whatever and have it as kebabs. Oh. They've also done them. Um, yeah, I I like I just remember running across that and just being like, wow.
4: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
3: <laughs> uh-huh.
4: <laughs> uh uh-huh. uh we also eat madamba. Which uh, is called carpenter here, I think. It's baby, baby fish. It's not, uh geez, it's not sardines. And it's not, uh, what's this fish that they put in Caesar salad?
2: Anchovies.
4: Uh, yeah, it's not anchovies, but it's mm-hmm. just dried baby fish. We eat that a lot as well. Uh, we eat sorghum. Sorghum, we eat it like as you would eat sugar cane. But the head of the sorghum is a grain as well. So you could harvest that and process it and uh, eat that as well. Uh, yeah, the greens the, the greens,
3: the greens, the sound very familiar to, to, to us
4: too. Uh-huh. Uh, wintertime. Uh, wintertime goes into summertime sometimes uh breakfast has to be quick breakfast has to (laughs) not consume a lot of heat and time and it also has to like fulfill you for the day so sometimes we'll eat a lot of boiled corn and nuts Mm. for breakfast there also is a snack snack yeah oh i didn't know
3: that we have that too like boiled corn and and, uh, peanuts and especially even sometimes coconut um yes added to
4: that Uh (laughs) uh-huh Uh we have black-eyed yeah we have black-eyed peas which mm-hmm. you guys use for red red mm-hmm. we uh we put them in like crushed corn dishes which is called dubush or you just boil them and eat them as is and that same family of legumes is uh what they call here in America the jujube uh uh-uh, uh that's not a, actually the bambara not Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah, do yeah. we do Very...
3: beans also, yeah. So we, do, uh-huh. we eat it in the same well kind of similar way with um plantains also. Yeah. Um, but we do them, we do that so we will usually, you know, and again, this is part of you know this whole idea of like African food or even even like saying Zimbabwean food, right? So because it's different ethnic groups also within the country treat. Uh, yeah. things differently. So the example I'm about to give before the Ghanaians come from my head is <laughs> specifically specifically among the Ls, we do bambara beans um, with um, super ripe plantains that you mash and you add spices and you fry it fry like a fritter and so that's how we eat it, bambara beans and you can add either um, sugar which is weird to bambara beans or um, ah. sometimes like palm oil, depending on your. So we can do it too sweet. Like I remember my grandma would uh-huh. used to add sugar to them. Um, our beans and um, kaplu is what we call the plantain. The plantain situation. Wow. So, but I know that people have different treatments for it. The Ghanians listening. So I'm just sharing, <laughs> just sharing from like my you know where my my mom comes from. What what how they treat it. So.
4: Uh-huh. Would you say it's similar to akara?
3: Yes. Yeah. Except that, like, um, right, akara. But we also have akara, right, where we use beans and spices. Yeah. So we have, so, yeah. but it looks like, yeah, so it looks like that, like a fritter. I don't know if that's what you'd call it from a culinary yeah. perspective.
4: Yeah. But yeah. Oh, huh. nice. Yep. Nice. So yeah. let's do. Last two, I think you have this in Ghana, too. Um, and I feel like it, it's kind of pops up in, in, in Africa. It's a very popular tree. In uh, Debele, it's called Umkoma mm-hmm. In Shona, it's Mawuyu. It's uh, the baobab
0: fruit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: yeah. talked about
3: the baobab it, actually a few weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, wow yeah someone there was a Ghanaian I had a Ghanaian guest on who um so we have it in northern Ghana um which like I grew up in in southern Ghana so I actually don't know too much about about but she was talking on the on the podcast she was sharing like all the different nutritional but and like you she had um health issues growing up and so Uh... like some of the foods that she ended up having to eat um from home which she's trying to revive again because like especially it's so funny now when you think about health trends and you and I have talked about this like all the sort of health trends and like superfoods and all of that you know going Uh it all goes back to the grains and the foods that we grew up eating um yeah back home stuff like moringa right yeah yeah all that stuff so wow it's it's uh interesting to say the least um okay so what's the last one and then we'll move to like your business in New York sweet the
4: last one we call and I'm not sure if this is the right English word for it I've been trying to find the right English word for it we call it umgi in my country where I come from it's basically like Google says it's a. Like, jujube or jujube <laughs> google says <laughs> yeah uh if you google it it's uh a chinese date so it it it's not it doesn't even look like a date it looks mm-hmm. like a berry but you harvest it and then you let it dry and then you just eat that as a snack it is so good mm. it's so good. That's
3: good 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 yeah. good good all of you is good, I think. <laughs> 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 um, some may argue differently, but okay. So, because um, we're running out of time, let's wrap up. So, I want to talk about like because you made it all sound so easy so far, <laughs> to be honest. Wow. Like, oh, I you know I dropped out. You know I started with accounting, dropped out, <laughs> then I ended up in this place. Did three months, and I just happened to be working next to the chef, and he gave me this job, and then I met the Mexicans and Taco. Africa. <laughs> 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 it all sounds like, oh, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. So, like, I want us to take a step back and, like, sort of be, I don't know, I want to say be real, but like share some of the challenges, I guess, like what, what it's like to build a business. One, one, in, on a couple of different dimensions. One, as a solo entrepreneur, right? Two, Uh-oh. as an immigrant entrepreneur. And then three, uh, in a city that it's not, you know, like this rest restaurant. Like every, you can walk anywhere and not have a restaurant. There's a yeah. restaurant everywhere,
4: right?
3: And maybe yeah. even four. Like it's one of the most expensive cities in the world. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So all of those factors. So t- talk to me about what it's been like to to try to build your business in, in the city. And we can talk about everything from even sourcing, you know, because some of the African ingredients that yeah. you use to like finding labor, people to help, um, and any, any sort of lessons that you've learned. For anyone that's listening that might be interested in starting their own business in the city or just even understanding the the plight of small business, small food business owners in, in New York. Yeah. Uh, Welcome. It's
4: like, where do I start? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, outside of just like giving me the foundation to my culinary career, Mm. I also look to and appreciate the way my grandma was as a person, which Mm. shifted on how I was raised as a person, where she taught me not to complain too much
0: yeah.
4: but look for solutions so I will twist that question if you don't mind <laughs> I will play I will play a little politics on you I will answer I will answer what I want to answer how I want to okay. answer so um, entrepreneurship for people of the minorities, be it race, be it gender, is a little bit tougher because for some of us, compared to the Mark Zuckerbergs and Jeff Bezos who started their companies out of their dad's garages, (laughs) some of us don't even have those garages to begin with. Mm. Some of us actually live in other people's garages. So Just that alone, like entrepreneurship, period, is tough. Like not entrepreneurship as an immigrant, not like entrepreneurship is tough. It's like a really tough business, but it is also rewarding. Um, What are some of the problems I've faced? The one, and this is something I'm still struggling with. So if someone has... A listening ear out there, mm-hmm. a caring heart, and a loaded wallet. <laughs> reach out to me <laughs> after this podcast. I am looking for investors. The toughest thing to find is capital. Mm. It's yeah. really hard. You could have the best business idea in the world. If you don't have money to start it, it won't go anywhere. It takes money to make money. If you're in it for the money, but it also takes money to just start period for whatever reason you're in it for. It takes money to start it. And most of us don't have that money. So that's, that's like, for me has been the biggest struggle Uh, because without money, you can't buy your own Mm -hmm. space. And then it dives into my next struggle as a budding business. You can't take out a lease for brick and mortar. You can't buy a food truck you can't do this so you have to find ways where you share your food and hopefully it lends into the right bellies and the right hands and the right ears and you build a buzz and eventually open up so starting you'll have to do pop-ups you have to do catering. rings you have to reach out to your communities and see if you can be of service without breaking your own bag because in the beginning, I was going to all these community events. I was handing out free food. I was, mm. And in the long run, it hurt me because at the end of the day, you come home and you look at your bank account and you look at your passion. One is lower than the other and there's no balance. And it, it, it's tough financially, but it also ties into mental health. Losing money is not an easy thing to deal with. So. Those are like some of the struggles with entrepreneurship capital um finding a place to like share whatever product or service Mm -hmm. you have to offer and uh relationships relationships like people change times change some of the same people i don't want to say mexicans because these days are like times are very sensitive i could say some of these Mexicans that I met earlier when I was working in the South African restaurant, we've had like disagreements and some of them we don't see eye to eye and someone will say, I say that hate Mexicans now. It's relationships. When mm-hmm. you're starting a business, yes, you're managing capital, yes, you're managing your assets, but you're also managing relationships yeah. in the sense that it's very easy to be taken advantage of if you're more on the needing side if you're not benefiting someone it's really easy for them to like not care for you and kind of take advantage of you at some point so it it, it sucks as an entrepreneur that yeah you have to And this has been my like biggest thing and this will be my closing because i feel like i'm talking too much no
3: no no i'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: my biggest struggle as an entrepreneur regardless of me being african regardless of me being in food service which is a perishable item uh it's me being not being able to separate business from personal feelings because mm. one this is is it I didn't go to school to be a business person. So I do this because it's a passion. I do this because it connects me to my grandma. I do this because it connects me to my culture. But at the same time, it is a business. It is a business. You have to make financial decisions. You have to make strategic decisions. You have to play chess with your own business. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard for me to separate the two. So I've been in situations where I've committed to do a pop-up with someone for the whole summer and that person decides to sell their restaurant (laughs) overnight and they don't give me a notice and my whole summer plan and my whole summer program for the Mm. business has to shut down immediately and i get it it's it, it's business but for me i kind of took it personally to a sense that like you could have just said hey this is where i'm at this is where i right. at with my business my business has to shut down for whatever reason don't even have to give me a reason right, but yeah. i just wanted you to be prepared and you as a business you start thinking and you maneuver accordingly but That's the tough thing about starting a business without capital. If you don't have your own, you might have to use someone else. And you have that until someone else decides to take their something back. (laughs) So it's hard. It's hard. It takes a village. Make sure your village is a strong one. and They'll Mm. support you.
3: Yeah. Let's end on a high note. So in terms of... Like your dream. So, you know, we know the realities of running the business, but in terms of the big dreams you yeah, have for Taco Africana, like what's next for like let's say, okay, so we're almost at the end of the year. What's which is crazy October anyway? Um yeah. what's what what do you want to do in 2022? Like what what you know, what do you want to do with Taco Africana? And then for people that are listening, how can they get involved? If they want to, if they want to patronize you, if they want to help, like where can they find you online, for example, on social media?
4: Sweet. Ah, uh,
3: wow. It,
4: it, it's really, it's it's tough. I, I don't think I'll ever agree to do a podcast with another friend again. Because <laughs> you, end up, you end up getting so comfortable. <laughs> and you open your mouth and start talking too much but um, <laughs> the future for Tucker Africa honestly is is unbelievable for me right now I cannot even believe it myself mm. uh, it's the first time I'm announcing it publicly but we oh. are working we are working on opening a storefront next year
3: 2022 no way I didn't yeah. even know that wow that's amazing <laughs>
4: yeah we're working on a storefront it will be most likely most likely inshallah god bless ancestors look out for me (laughs) everything goes well it will be here in harlem
0: Uh,
4: we'll be announcing a few more details later on in the year there will be a crowdfunding campaign because Mm -hmm. you do need capital to start a business so Going back to what I said earlier, if there is a listening ear, there is a caring heart, there is a big wallet, there will be a link where you could show your love and support towards Africans who are sharing African culture and cuisine in New York City. Um, You could donate to us before we open. When we open, you could patronize the business by coming to us, eating, sharing, and enjoying. We will have a line of products that you'll be able to buy online and be able to use in the beginning all over America and then hopefully all over the world. Um, yeah, so short, long-term goals, I think. It's wow, fabulous. like
3: this is breaking news to me, too. <laughs> That's amazing, Zee. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's amazing, and you can find Z. And I'll post this again when the podcast comes out. But um, Taco Africana on on Instagram, in particular, I feel like it's where you're most active. And then Z from Africa is your um, my personal. personal so just
4: just just full disclaimer because it it, it does get a, a little bit confusing for some people. Z from Africa is my personal account. That's where I go crazy. That's where I talk. <laughs> My yeah, so that's, where, that. <laughs> that's where i look for sugar mamas because someone has to pay the bills so whatever you find there please follow on your own parole but the more professional aspects of my life find me on taco africana on ig our website will also be launching in a couple of months at tacoafricana.com
3: Oh my gosh. Uh,
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> oh boy.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, wow. Because,
1: no, you know some,
4: I don't know. <laughs> I don't wanna misrepresent Africa, yom because there could be listeners who don't know me listening to your podcast and they know your brand and they think like I feel like we've done a really good recording. This is most comfortable I've been, and I feel like I've shared more than I wanted to share in oh, a good way. So someone will listen to this and they think, oh yeah, this professional
0: chef. Yeah.
4: <laughs> they go on my IG and then the first pic they see is me mooning and some oh reason somewhere. You know. <laughs> so
3: people should be aware. So please, please, please. <laughs> oh boy you know I think Uh, we've had too much fun I'm not even gonna do rapid fire questions like we've, we've gotten to know Z very well in this hour so um yeah um I want to end by saying, first of all, thank you for your time. I know you're busy and you have a lot going well. And now I know you do have much more going on than I (laughs) knew about. Um, But I appreciate you coming on and sharing your perspective and, um, yeah, it's always good to, to chat with a friend. It's, you know, you know, we you and I were talking offline about how sometimes this can feel like <laughs> like work. And so it's oh. good to just have an hour where it doesn't feel like um something that I have to do, but something that I truly enjoy. So thank you. Yeah, thank so you thank for coming you. on. Thank you
4: for being a, uh, a comfortable host. It felt <laughs> safe and it was very much enjoyable. I hope um, whoever listens took something out of it and um, Yom will share my contact details. I'm usually pretty friendly and approachable. (laughs) Uh, If you approach me the right way, if you have any (laughs) questions, you are an upcoming business, you are an auntie who cooks phenomenal food because trust and believe there's so many African aunties out there Mm -hmm. who are phenomenal cooks like really 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 good some of them are better than Gordon Ramsay yeah but they they just yeah for real but they just they just don't know where to start mm -hmm. so like if this lands in your ears and you feel like I could ever be of assistance to you feel free to reach out Outside of the Instagram, my email is also the same, Zi from Africa at Gmail. Shoot me an email, shoot me a DM. I respond unless you're a scammer. And yeah, we're happy to help. <laughs>
3: Thank you so much, Z. <laughs> All
4: right.
2: Thank you for listening to item 13 an african food podcast if you like the show please subscribe rate and review us on your favorite podcast app to keep up to date follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at item 13 podcast item 13 is powered by simplecast thank you for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you